One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the next hour or so. Just gone midday, that means it's time for the call and um, where we look at 10 stocks suggested by you. Uh, we put those 10 stocks to two experts for their opinion. We do it all in 60 minutes and it's a lot of fun. And uh, joining us uh, today, Jumbe Lu from Tribeca Investment. How are you, Jumbay? Good I'm to see you. I'm very good. Good to be here. And uh, Julia Lee from Berman Invest uh, joins us via Skype. Julia, how are you? welcome to the program. <laughs> Thanks, Koshi. Hi, Jumbay. Um, so we're going to be taking a look at your uh, 10 stocks very shortly. But first of all, we look at a stock of the day, one that I choose that's been in the news. I do it early in the morning, so I chose it before the afterpay announcement came out. But... Well, I'm sure we'll talk about Afterpay over the next 60 minutes or so with their big capital raise at the moment. But our stock of the day, Nearmap, um, another sort of technology stock here in Australia with the, the aerial imaging. Goldman Sachs have come out and recommended it because it has lagged the market and they like the technology. Uh, according to Goldman Sachs, the, the share price has dropped 40% um, in the 11 months to the end of May. And since uh, during June with the 4% rise in the market, it even lagged that. So it thinks it's a, a stock that's been forgotten. Shilbay, what do you think of Nearmap? Look, I, I think it's a company does have good technology. So their mapping yep. services um, has been, look, does look pretty good and they got good penetration in Australia. But the yep. key game for this company was to go into US and other markets, which costs a lot of money. Um, and the company has uh, sort of got close to the cash breaking even, um, but not quite there yet, but getting close by this financial year. Now, one big thing about buying companies is not about um, buying things that sort of hasn't gone up. Um, the reason the stock hasn't gone up and it's down 40% is because of profit warnings, not because market has forgotten it. Um, you know, the company actually has lost some contract, experienced some high churn within the Australian business, does cast a little bit of a doubt over, you know, how oh. sustainable is that competitive advantage, especially going to other markets where you have to demonstrate, um, you know, your, your ability to capture those clients. So I think just a bit of a doubt that people need to see a bit more proof right. um, before piling into this company. So it's sort of a, a classic case of if you like, has it lost the confidence of sort of the, the big investors uh, because of these profit warnings and downgrades in the past and I they've got to rebuild it a bit. I think so. And I think it just caught that the main issue is that when they started losing contracts within their home market, which is Australia, where they're yep. meant to be dominant um, to uh, a next smaller competitor, does that mean you don't actually have competitive advantage? So, right. you know, it just casts a lot of those questions that, um, you know, we just mm. need to see more, especially you're not cash breaking even. Um, yeah. But probably by result time, you'll do a bit better. Um, but adjust those data points and need to pick up before people can give you the confidence saying next market um, is going to be enormous. Right. Be okay. like Afterpay. Julia, what do you think of Nearmap? <laughs> Gosh, we've recently picked up this one for the fund. And look, for this uh, company, I do think it's a story of two halves. In the, the uh, one half, we saw the churn rates increasing, loss of client contracts. But in the last updates, the churning seems to have stopped. And look, if you have a look at the underlying premise of this company, it basically provides um, aerial views of um, buildings, of streets, and it's great for planning, it's great for architects, it's great for council. And if you think about what's happened during COVID-19 and the whole working from home and lockdown, it's been very hard to get to places. So a, a service like this has been absolutely essential to continue doing business for a lot of planners, a lot of councils. So I think in this type of environment, we are going to see a bit better news than we saw back in uh, 2019 and early 2020, where the troubles have been. And I think the scenario at the moment is that this environment is probably perfect. The only negative is because of the lockdowns and people working from home, I guess in the US where they're most 
are their main growth engineers. It's hard to hit the road in terms of sales. So in terms of sales, it's probably going to be more expensive and a slower ride. But I do think that this environment is um, conducive to a business like Nearmap's. Okay, so would you be a buyer of Nearmap? Oh, we bought it recently. Right, okay. Added it to the fund. All right, so uh, thumbs up from uh, Julia and also uh, Goldman Sachs. So that's uh, our stock of the day. Let's kick off the first one. Julia with uh, from Sabir has suggested this, and she's suggesting uh, Babcorp, um, a, uh, the big, uh, basically Australia's biggest automotive um, parts manufacturer, um, accessories, uh, provides all the parts to the used, used car market. Koshi, I like this one. Um, I've been stuck at home and uh, I'm a bit of a DIYer, mostly in terms of sourdough and uh, bread and cooking. But look, DIY at the moment rocks and it's happening in households across Australia. And whether it's gardening, home improvement or tinkering on cars, um, it's definitely happening and it's provided an uplift. So Babcool's doing well from the DIY, DIY that's happening during lockdown, but also a component of its business is very defensive as well. So when you do head into harder economic times, well, you know, you still need servicing on your car and parts as well. So that's a positive. In terms of the growth engine, because I always like to look at what could be the potential growth drivers of the business, they can have, move into other markets like Thailand and also like the supermarkets. They've got their own private label, which they can expand. Wow. And of course, during harder economic times, looking for those cheaper products for your car can be uh, quite useful. I've just replaced a battery on my car and certainly <laughs> pricing came into the mix. So look, I like Babcorp. I like the defensive characteristics, the potential growth drivers down the track and DIY is in at the moment. Absolutely. And those, um, that used car market, even though new car sales have taken a bit of a hammering, uh, used cars are going all right. Uh, Jumbe, what do you think of Babcorp? I think it's in the right spot at the moment. Um, like yeah. you said, the used car market is looking better. And the recent update from the super cheap is, it does indicate that uh, um, you know, the momentum um, from um, the sharp drop off has certainly now become very positive. Um, and uh, just as a part of that, um, you know, as the overall lockdown gets lifted, uh, more people on the road, so there's more travel. Um, May, uh, repair and maintenance yep. and all of that. So things are picking up with this stock. So um, it, absolutely, it's got momentum and earnings probably trending in the positive trajectory. Okay. And what's also interesting is that most of the retailers' earnings have been cut significantly in March yep. um, as people become very cautious when lockdown took place. So what we have seen is that we started seeing the improvement or upgrades through some of the retail numbers. So we think heading into this reporting season, companies like Backhaul and a few others will actually experience upgrades. Mm. Um, but I do, you know, um, comparing SuperG with Backhaul, I do yeah. like SuperG a little bit better because right. it's a bit cheaper and it's got the exposure to that leisure market where right. people still can't fly. They they will have to drive everywhere. You know, they have the boating, fishing and camping sort yep. of store. Um, they have exposure to MacPack. And so all of that should see momentum in those stores being very, very strong at this reporting season. And right. it's at, you know, pretty much half of the um, multiples, so um, okay. slower growth, but you know it's in the right spot at the moment. Okay, would you be a buyer at Babcorp at six dollars, even though you prefer super cheap autos? I would buy. Better? I would buy both. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Um, so thank you for that, Sabir. Um, a really good suggestion there, and a good result from both uh, Julia and Jumbe. Um, Julia, our second stock comes from Luke. I had to look this one up. Novanix. It's a, a lithium-ion battery technology. Now, I feel as though I need to put a, um, a white lab coat on for this. Um, it has a single crystal cathode material, um, which helps lithium-ion batteries and uh, outperforms um, equivalent types of batteries. Is that, in a nutshell, what it does? That, that's right. If you're buying into this company, you're buying into the whole electric vehicle story where demand is derived from. So electric vehicles need batteries. And I guess in terms of Novanix, you're looking at battery materials, which it provides. It does have, have its own proprietary technology as well, which is called DPMG, um, which is an advantage. And it does have some pretty big clients like Panasonic as well as Samsung in there. I guess in terms of, of battery, the biggest thing at the 
Oh, it looks as though we've, uh, we may have lost Julia there. We'll try and reconnect via Skype. Um, uh, Jumbe, what do you think of uh, Novanix? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I have to look it up this morning. Yeah. But uh, so the cool thing for this business seems like it's got facility. It's got a graphite deposit and yeah. then it's got facility to make uh, synthetic graphite as well. Um, and uh, um, the share price rally seems to be um, there's uh, speculation that they may have signed big contract with um, people like Tesla. So it's right. very, very promising. Yep. And now the main thing for those, uh, obviously the use for the batteries that, or that leverage to the electronic vehicle uh, or electric vehicle, vehicle sort of um, growth in the future. Uh, and we know all the government spending for those EV sort of vehicle. Now, um, the, the main thing for graphite is that you need a premium graphite. So um, premium graphite, such as synthetic version, generally helps with the battery power, makes it last longer, make it more powerful. Right. Um, so it is the right product. Um, the, the, the main problem in the last few years is that there's been um, star stop sort of demand, um, you know, demand volatility because yep. um, most of the, those cars aren't viable. So the government had to sponsor. And then China being the biggest, um, you know, demand sort of country um, has changed their subsidy a few times. And then now they're uh, saying they will step back from a lot of subsidy in the next few years. So right. uh, there's a bit of speculation on what that might look like. But take a long term view um, that EV vehicle is going to be very huge demand um, but this company seems to be in that niche space of it right. um, but be very mindful of chasing company like that three right. years ago we have very similar sort of lithium graphite sort of bubble yeah um, and look at the share price most of them are still quite well below where they yeah. reached three years ago because uh, uh, my understanding is there's a lot of lithium there's a lot of lithium and there's a lot of graphite too. Yeah. Um, you know, Syrah, I don't know if you remember, it, they, they found that deposit in Mozambique um, yeah. that in the future could supply 50% of the world's wow. supply of graphite. But look, you do need premium products um, to make the battery better. Right. So, um, you know, there is a level of And these of guys are in the battery market too, They're aren't in they? the battery market. So they've taken it a step further. They take being, a step further, yeah. um, but there are a lot of operators out there. Right. So um, just be mindful when you chase those speculative themes right. um, you know for me I feel it's too speculative for me right. um, but it is a theme you should see uh, recently there's a couple of data out of Europe and seems pretty pretty supportive of right. those uh, EV vehicles um, in June the number looking really strong so today yeah. we're seeing all the lithium names having a rally so um, that kind of sits in that basket but do your homework it's it's right. this one is a little bit speculative okay for me. Uh, got Julia back now um, sorry we, we Got cut off there, Julia. Um, what's your conclusion on on Novanix? Is it is it worth a look? It's definitely speculative. I think the electric vehicle story has been pushed out by about eighteen months because of COVID nineteen and the lockdown, where it's taken a bit more of a backseat. And also, those subsidies coming out of China are a key. So, if you do see China ramping up those subsidies, you will see those electric vehicle-related names uh, benefiting. But really, I think this is more a 2022, 23 story, if anything. And there's no rush to get into something okay. like this, unless you do see Novanix coming out with something that gives them a technological advantage against their competitors. Okay. All right, um, let's go for our third stock suggested by Angela. Angela, thank you for this. Treasury Wine Estates, Julia, um, probably our <laughs> biggest wine producer here in Australia is uh, Penfold, Beringer, Lindemans, Wins Coonawarra, the whole lot of them. But has uh, had a sort of patchy record the last couple of years, got a new chief executive. How's it looking? Oh, Koshi, I thought you were going to say that I'm the biggest wine drinker. <laughs> I certainly like oh, my wine. We, we took that as a given. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking at Treasury Wine Estates, you'd think that during lockdown we'd be drinking more. We certainly are. And if you have a look at off-premise sales, they have been going up. But what happens when we drink at home is usually we shy away from those more premium names. We're not exactly drinking Grange every night. In, in fact, people are going down to the lower margin, the lower cost um, type of wines, which means with Treasury Wine Estates, they're missing out on their higher margin, the more lucrative part of their business. So unfortunately, lockdowns have been altogether a negative, given you have seen restaurants, bars close, and that's where a lot of the premium end of their products are being sold. I mean, the other thing to look at out for is not the supply side, uh, the demand side, which we've been looking at, 
but the supply side. And we know that over in the US, there has been oversupply, which has been an issue. Some of that is easing, but it's still there. And over in Europe, you're actually seeing um, grapes being destroyed and wine being destroyed because of oversupply factors over there. And if you've gone down to your local Dan Murphy's, um, you know, the French wines are very cheap at the moment. In fact, the cheapest that I've seen in years. And that's probably a consequence of some of that oversupply that we're seeing at the moment. So look, I think it's a tough environment for treasury wine estates at the moment. So the big question here is what happens after lockdown and after COVID-19 has passed. And if you look at China as an example, because they're ahead of the curve, initially you saw a spike in going out in terms of driving and in terms of activity. And then you saw people becoming cautious once again in eating out. And you didn't actually see those levels getting back to normal after that initial spike. So look, I'd be cautious here and I wouldn't be buying into treasury wine estates. Okay. And... Um... And also, a lot of their premium wines get sold into China, so it's a China story there. Zhongbei, but a, a, a lot of people say, oh yeah, but um, Treasury is going to spin out penfolds mm. and that will give shareholder value. Is it? Will it happen? Is it worth waiting for? Or I'm sure they want to. Um, right. They want to create... Look, they, the company has had really tough 18 months. So yes. it's not just COVID related. It's They've been having issues in China with different other brands, not aside from Penful. Yep. And then they've been having issues in the US where, you know, their, their whole um, direct to, um, you know, cutting out the distributor direct to customer, whether that sort of model is working for them has been, um, you know, really um, questioned really by investors and by the company management themselves over the last little while so um yeah so look at the company management definitely looking for opportunity to um to find that uh you know options to create value um and uh, and I, I do believe the timeline is it's it's going to take place but it's going to be a while right. it's going to be 12 months at least 12 months to 18 months away before they work that out now um while this is taking place um you know in china there seems to be quite a bit of issue at this point that a lot of their wine aren't selling as well some of the feedback has come back yep. um, whether it's because the restaurants still opening up slowly in china or whether it's because um, there's a bit of uh, you know and, uh, and anti, yeah whether yep. there's a bit of that uh, we're not sure so we still have to see how that might wash through um, but meanwhile domestically things aren't great um, you know because just because the restaurants are opening very very slowly right. um, and the on-premise margins are far bigger than um, you know off-premise premise and uh, we still need to see that come back but look if it's a short-term impact you're happy to buy a stock but right now we there is questions about what are you going to do with us and what's right. happening in china there could be some structural yeah. issues so it's too early to be yeah. going into this stuff and, uh, and it's had had issues for a while hasn't it it's sort of it almost flatlined for quite a while now it's been incredible story i must say when yeah. it was part of that foster group yeah. uh, a foster yeah. group um they couldn't give it away so in the last few years they have done amazing job trying to premiumize its product and penful has become the star yeah. of this uh, this business now they have hit a bit of roadblock um you know really trying to create the next few larger brands premium brands um and i think they just sort of in that right. flux at the moment yeah all right, that transition stage. Mm -hmm. uh, so there you go, Angela, um, from uh, Julia and Jumbay, uh, not one for them. Um, Tanya has suggested Jumbay, a really interesting um, little stock, Life360, um, a subscription service focused on products for, um, for families, basically platforms, digital platforms for families, where all the members of the household are connected by smartphones, it has a, a Life360 app, which is developed for families with features that range from communications to driving safety, lo uh, location sharing. Um, it's an interesting one. What do you think? Oh, look, it's very interesting. Um, we heard a lot about it when it first listed a little while ago, and I just had a look at the share price. It hasn't done very well, which yeah. surprised me because I know many um, mothers and um, families, yeah. they all use that app. And in the US, if you look at their momentum, actually it has been pretty strong in adding the um, subscribers and users. Now, yeah. the main problem for this company is to working out how to make money off it. Yeah. Um, you know, because you know, the, there's a lot of tracking device around 
around. There's Apple, yeah. you can track. There's other, you know, sort of form of uh, devices around. It all sort of becomes part of your phone now. That's right. It? So yeah. uh, I think for them to create value, they sort of struggle the pricing with the pricing model or where they go. Um, but I think latest that they've uh, released a few newer subscription model, whether it's cross insurance and a few other things, may be interesting. Um, and that revenue momentum is picking up a little bit. So, um, and then it's on very, very cheap, um, you know, sort of price to revenue, um, sort of uh, multiple, right. something like two times. Right. Um, you know, obviously this can't compare to the afterpay of 25 or 30 times. Right. Um, but it's, it seems like it's got early um, indication of things are going quite well and the cash burn has reduced somewhat and they got a bit of cash as well on the balance sheet now. So potentially um, it could be next 12 months, um, it could hit that critical point and become quite large. Right. So it's actually looking really interesting okay. at this point. Yeah. So is it a buy for you or? It's a speculative buy for me. Uh, spec buy. Okay, Julia, what do you think of Life360? Uh, not for me. Um, I guess I'm a, a bit cautious when it comes to companies that are based overseas but listed here in Australia. And this one's based in San Francisco. Its biggest user base is in the US. The reason I, I don't like this is because I, I do feel like it is hard to keep in touch with investors um, when you are at an overseas base. And while there have been some companies that have done well being uh, based overseas but listed here in Australia, they're few and far between. Having a look at this uh, company it's basically GPS tracking so you're looking at a platform which tracks you can sign up for free and then you're trying to convert them into a paying circle and given the number of free apps for GPS tracking whether it's through your iPhone or through an app I do think this is quite a competitive area and an area where someone can come up with a better platform than you and your, your platform can be made redundant as well so look too many risks for me um, in terms of life 360, an interesting concept, being able to track all your kids and seeing how fast they drive and whether they get into a crash. But I do yeah. believe it's a pretty competitive area. Okay, so because you've, your daughter's too young to worry about at the moment, getting out <laughs> and about, so not for you. I'm, I'm always fascinated when we interview uh, people via Skype, Julia, to, uh, to actually look at their bookshelf and we can see you're a good mum because behind you there is... You've got a book on security analysis. Then when markets <laughs> collide, can we just go back to the single shot of Julia? And then the next one is pandas for everyone. I love it. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is not a book about animals. It's a book about oh, is Cody, it a... Python Cody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought your gorgeous daughter must, must, must be raiding your bookshelf. <laughs> It's a pretty thick book for a children's uh, book about animals. <laughs> I thought that'd just be you. All right, uh, let's take a look at our, our fifth stock. And uh, Jumbe Raj has suggested this one. Now, Self Wealth, I think we had um, the chief executive of Self Wealth on the show yesterday. They, they gave a, uh, um, a revenue or a, a performance update. This is the the online trading platform, mm. share trading platform, flat brokerage, um, so offering access to the share market. Yeah, I, uh, I remember we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Yeah. Actually, it's really interesting, this company. Um, it's Again, it's another company in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, it's very equivalent to that Robin Hood uh, in the US and, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, provide that low-cost online trading yeah. um, and target at that Gen Y sort of age group yeah. uh, and ease of access to the capital markets. So, um, and it's been doing so well. Uh, I'm sure you talked to, yet, to yes. him yesterday. Yeah. The quarterly number was up 100%. Mm. Uh, we all saw the data out of Comsec as well. Retail investors really, um, you know, piling into the market in the last three months. And this company is um, completely exposed to that, you know, younger trading, active trading sort of space. So earnings looking phenomenal at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I actually think that for the short term, for a trading, um, this stock actually can do quite well for the short term. Right. Uh, but do remember, this is a stock very, very much linked to the market exposure. So yeah. if tomorrow market falls, it will fall. So um, you know, it's one of those high risk stock that kind of uh, gives that gives you that um, you know further leverage to a rising market. Market. Right. Um, Julia, um, everyone talks about Robin Hood investors and as Jumbo says, they're using a term for a, an app in the United States that allows younger investors to invest directly in the share market. And it's sort of, 
I describe it as almost gamifying share investing like Bet360 um, uh, has, has done with its uh, gaming app. And when there's no, no sport being played around the world, uh, that age group, if you like, that cohort has started to do one on shares. Is that, is that a fair description? And, and self-wealth is Australia's equivalent to that. Look, I think it's a generation thing, the gamifying, um, uh, I guess, finance and other things to make it more easy and accessible. And to tell you the truth, finance professionals have been trying to make, you know, the share market accessible and relatively easy for a while. So I guess this is the next step in its evolution. Yeah. I do like this company. I guess that there's a couple of uh, differentiators uh, against competition. One is the flat rate of $9.50, no matter the size of the trade, which I think is a, a pretty attractive deal, not only for millennials, Millennials, but for anyone who's trading a large amount, if you're trading a million dollars, $10 million, it's still $9.50, which is a pretty good deal. The other is that you can tra track, um, I guess, highly rated traders. So there's, a, I guess, a model where you can also sub subscribe to different things which will give you tangible trading ideas. And of course, when you're starting out, part of the difficulty is trying to work out what to buy. Um, so to be able to track that and to follow people that you'd like to follow, and to have an extra revenue model, which is based on that, I think is a, a pretty smart idea. I do I, I do agree with Jim Lu. this is leverage to the market. So as long as the market's rising, happy days. Yep. But if you see the tide go out, then you'll see the tide go out in this. Business. Okay, so 64 cents should still be a buyer? I think in this type of market, yes, especially where we are seeing new uh, investors coming to the market, I think it's a, a very exciting uh, stage, I guess, for a company like this. And I mean, most of us would have joined during pretty big bull markets. I mean, I cut my teeth during the tech boom and it was pretty exciting back then. And the same type of commentary where the market's overvalued. But look, I've stuck with it and I've been here for 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um it is really tapping in to a, to a new investor. I, I know my nieces and nephews who would uh, be betting on the NBA over the last couple of months, and there's been no reason to do that with those. Uh, they put five or ten bucks on the spread or whatever, are now doing shares as a result of it, and uh, and have really been hooked on it. So it's really interesting. So Raj, yep, um, a tip from uh, from by Julia and Jumbay on self wealth. Um, let's just uh, recap the first five stocks and then we'll get to the, the second half. Our stock of the day, near map and no from both Jumbay and Juliet. Both of them like Babcourt, um, but Jumbay prefer in that space prefers super cheap auto. Uh, a no on Novanix, a no on Treasury Wine. Um, Life 360, a speculative buy from Jumbay, no from uh, Julia. And uh, both like uh, Self Wealth. Uh, but as Jumbay says, uh, it is a high-risk one because it's very leveraged to the markets and has had a really big run. So uh, that's, our, uh, that's our first five stocks. Bit of a programming note while we've got you as well later this afternoon. We've got business leader and philanthropist Russell Scrimshaw from Garvin Foundation joining us on the program to talk uh, medical philanthropy, um, and that's at one twelve. So... Uh, 120 rather on the pulse straight after the call. So always great to have Russell on the show. All right, let's get into uh, into the second half and um, the next five stocks. Now, Julia, this one um, Intel is it tracks, um, which mm -hmm. is um, quoted on the Chiax or, or for securities um, quoted on Chiax, a way for investors to um, to invest in, in US shares, is it? Yeah, this is a, a Traces. So they're almost a, a single stock ETF. So you're looking at being able to invest in international shares. So a single international share like Disney or Intel um, through Chiex. So this is a product that they have. So essentially you're getting exposure to Intel shares over in the US, but you're trading it through a platform which is based here in Australia. So you don't necessarily have those, I guess, um, the taxation and the, um, the forms to fill in for the US revenue internal revenue services, which can be quite lengthy. Um, yep. So you're looking at Intel. I guess the outlook for Intel, um, 
Recently, we heard that Apple would be moving away from the central processing units of Intel to its own internal ARMS uh, processors through the next few years. So that's obviously a short-term negative for Intel. I think Apple accounts for only 5 to 6% of Intel's business. So, so then I guess it depends on your outlook for how many computers people are going to buy throughout the globe. So look, I'd probably be neutral here given um, Apple's announcement. It's not... It's, it is material, but I guess in terms of the longer term story, there's not a lot of companies that can do what Apple has, have done and switch off Intel and go with an internal product. But I guess it also, um, it also um, might mean that Apple might be able to sell its product to other competitors as well. So I'd probably be neutral on Intel here. Okay. All right. And Jean-Marie, these transferable custody uh, receipts, they're called, aren't they? Uh, Julia was saying, if you... And everyone loves to buy international shares at the mm. moment. But when you do it, there is a lot of paperwork from internal revenue service in the United States through to our tax office and everything. This allows you to do it with none of that. And it's like, like trading Intel shares on the charts, but you can only buy and sell on the charts, can't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually a very convenient way yeah. for retail investor individuals to play to that angle. And if you look at the share price um, of this um, of this instrument, it, you know, it aligns with uh, Intel's pretty yeah, closely. It, it mirrors it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it mirrors it very yeah. well. It's not that liquid, <laughs> so yeah. there's a real liquidity thing. But uh, yeah, it, it mirrors it pretty well, so give you good ex access. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. Everyone wants to go, not everyone, but you yeah. do want to have a bit of allocation to international stocks just because um, you know the opportunity set is so vast and yeah. they're so much cheaper than yeah. our growth stock especially um, you know you look at Intel's trading on 12 times um, for you know high single digit sort of growth um, and you know what underpins this giant company is really um, you know the demand for computing power uh, like what Julia said before you know with increasing usage of cloud computing increasing you know um, data center rolling out they need more and more computing power the CPU yeah. um, and Intel is one of the largest supplier to that market yeah. so the growth of the last five years has been phenomenal just underpinned by that but they go through phases where you know the because they're based on the contracts so some some days some years the contract might be a bit slower like now they lost their apple contract yeah. um smaller impact but it's just a little bit lumpy at times um but if you take a five-year view this company will be higher in five years than it is today right. um so you can time your entry um but it is not expensive and uh, you know short-term earnings might be a little bit of a short-term disruption because of apple and because of coronavirus impact um you know the rollout of data center may well be uh, slowed down um, yeah. somewhat um, but uh, you know just even take a 12-month view um, or 18-month view um, it's it's not very demanding right. multiple okay so so yes but it's one to put in the bottom drawer and use a, a, a foundation stock Absolutely. okay all right thank you for the suggestion Monty and it's a good thing to point to the uh, to the transferable custody receipts and what you can do on Chiax. Um, our next stock has been suggested by Nick Jumbay and it's Raise Invest. Raise is sort of, again, we're a, a new age financial services group, isn't it? Um, mobile, mobile based for that millennial market to, to invest. Absolutely. Look, I think increasingly we see more of those um, fintech businesses. Um, yep. Mobile Access, um, it's an investment company that offers direct to consumer. So um, individuals um, can download the app and just say, every day I want to save this amount and it goes straight to whether ETF and other investment options. So, yep. um, and, um, you know, there. What was this the old Acorns? That's right. Yeah, so, so they had a deal with Acorns. They renamed it to yeah. call it this. Um, the business seems like um, it hasn't, uh, well, it started to reaching scale. So it's still a little bit early stage. But I really like where it is at the moment because, um, you know, every um, investment company wants to have that retail presence. Um, and the traditional retail presence used to be the banks. So the Commonwealth Bank, Wealth Business, and or the NAB and all of that. Yeah. And now a lot of those businesses being broken down and being sold off and the licensing being changed. Um, so, you know, to have access to individual retail market these days um, is actually re direct to retail. So this company is actually ahead of its time uh, to mm -hmm. build that presence. So for, for it to be very successful, it's about building the presence with consumer it may take time and it seems like it's probably getting close um, but they still need to build that scale of direct to consumer markets right 
So yeah. too early for you? Or? Too early for me, but right. it's something to watch. Okay. Julia? Look, I think this is a really interesting company. It started off with, you know, put your spare change aside, your change yeah. from your coffee and invest it into the market. And really it's grown from there. Um, having a look at how it makes its money, there's advertising or there's costs out of um, ETF portfolios, which it also provides. Um, I think what's interesting about this model is that 80% of its users is under 40, which means they've really captured a very young audience, which means that you do have the ability to cross-sell products. And that's why advertising to this market, which is captured, uh, is looking relatively attractive. They're also moving into new markets. So I think they're moving into Malaysia next. So the fact that they're taking this platform into new markets means that they are going to be able to scale a, a lot quicker as well but once again like self-wealth this is a derivative of market conditions so as long as the market's going up it's going to do relatively well but look I think this is interesting here for a speculative buy and a more early stage where it does really capture that under 40 market very well yep if if you say it's it's sort of in that similar space to to self-wealth do you prefer one over the other I think they're very different offerings. Um, I think self-wealth, you still have to have an idea of how to buy and sell shares, whereas uh, uh, Riaz Invest is probably more early stage. I like both of them, especially for the type of market that we're in at the moment. Where so we do you are probably graduate from raised to self-wealth, do you, as a customer? Yeah, I think so, because uh, I guess in terms of brokerage, as you're um, investing more money, self-wealth will become a cheaper proposition, whereas if you're starting out, you know, little sums of money doesn't seem like too much to be spending yep. uh, in terms of brokerage. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next stock uh, suggested by Re Rebecca Julia. Uh, Vicinity Centres. This is the old Centro Property Group, Federation Centres. Uh, management of Australian Shopping Centres. About $7 billion under management in, in shopping centres. Yeah, I'd be staying away from shopping centres here. I do think that we are coming to an inflection point in terms of shopping centres and the role they play um, for our shopping needs. And COVID-19 has just accelerated that. Uh, we have seen during lockdowns a lot of stores being closed and I don't think we're going to see the same number of stores reopening once we come out of the COVID-19 situation. Some companies have seen their online sales portals becoming stronger and I think that's going to remain quite sticky. So you're probably going to only see stores in a smaller amount of locations and that's going to impact on shopping centres. So look, that trend has been going on for a while where we have seen shopping centres trying to convert into more living centres or living destinations with a mix of restaurant and entertainment as well. But for vicinity, I mean, the preliminary uh, property valuations indications where they were down about 11 to 13%. But I think the bigger question for these shopping centres is how they evolve given that we are likely to see less stores through shopping centres um, post-COVID-19. So too high risk for me at this stage, although there is value in these shopping centres if you want to jump in and take the risk. And I'd probably be stepping clear for the time being. Okay. Jumbo, what do you think of vicinity? All right. Look, um, you know, I'm, normally I'm not here to um, to talk about strong value stocks, but, uh, you know, I must say with the shopping centres, I do see value um, in them, particularly stronger brands and one. Um, you know, the vicinity, I would be buying it here with, um, I actually prefer Centre Group, or I would be put more money in Centre Group, given it's trading at such a big discount right. to its asset value. Now, I agree with everything Julia said. In the short term, there's a lot of issues, right? So um, shops are closed and you have to give rental relief and how much you can collect and, you know, and how long it takes for us to be completely opened up is, is a bit of a question um, and what sort of structural issue it might have. But take that into account. Their asset owner in premium locations interest rate just almost gone to zero real interest rate gone yep. to zero in the u.s in here there's still a little bit but very very low return that means assets should go up in value so in a normal condition without the pandemic these these guys property trusts should be at at least double their current valuation right. but the reason trading at the uh, at such a discount is because of the disruption short-term earnings disruption so make assumptions about structural issues and you take 20 30 percent out of the valuation they are still at a discount so my thesis is in the next six months when the economy does started to open up domestically we will see those asset owners started to re-rate back to its oh, asset value okay all right so 
So this is a classic case of a, a sector completely out of favour at the moment. That's right. But a time to sort of put your put your toe in the water. Absolutely. Um, but at the quality end. Is vicinity at the quality end or you like center? <laughs> I like center same? because it's cheaper, um, right. hasn't raised money. Vicinity has better balance sheet, raised money for it. Right. Um, but center is a lot, whole lot cheaper and it's the Westfield, the big, better yep. location. Yep. But both of them are, will do quite well. So six month view, um, both of them. I actually think most of the property trusts will do pretty well. Okay. All right. So uh, I mean, plus. Yep, Julia. Kashi, I, I like the property trust. I just don't like the shopping centre property trust because I do think there is a structural um, headwind there um, in terms of the number of stores that will reopen versus pre-COVID. Um, but I do like things like Charter Hall Wales. This owns things like um, BP stores as well as yep. uh, Colts distribution centres, Telstra Exchange. Um, and look, their average weighted lease expiry is 14 and a half years, so very long lease terms. And you're looking at a yield of 7%, whereas for uh, something like vicinity, you're looking at no distribution for the time being, and you're looking at lower distributions over the next five years as well. Okay, all right. So, uh, so a yes on the property trust um, and no on as, as a generalisation. Charter Hall Whale, which um, we talked about this before on the uh, on the call stands for weighted average long something something something, um, is Julia's preference. And uh, while Jumbe likes vicinity, um, centre is probably a better bet at the moment. Actually, the best way is to sit in the managers, so the Goodman and the Charter Hall Group sitting the managers so if right. the assets going to be revalued in the next six months um, you know the, the managers would do a lot better right okay mm. all right um, our next talk has been suggested by Charlie and Jumbay I found this just a fascinating osteopore um, it specializes in 3d printing of implants that are used to heal bones but then disintegrate it's mm. it's like a like a mesh that they put around the bones while they heal mm. and that then it just disintegrates and dissolves away. It's amazing technology by Absolutely. the Absolutely. The biggest company that's, uh, well, listed in the Australian Stock Exchange that's specialised um, in similar sort of thing is uh, um, Polynovo. Oh, right, it's, yes. Uh, so right. Polynovo, their product is using a polymer, which is a type of plastic, right. and uh, used for burns right. and, and a yep. few other you know, flesh-eating disease and, and the like. Um, right. and, uh, and it works incredibly well. So uh, whereas for this company specialised for really, you know, the, um, the neurosurgeons, so the brain right. surgeon, you know, when, when you open fractures. Up, that's and, right, yep. fracture, and then you put, uh, they 3D print them uh, using the polymer, which is FDA yeah. approved, and then they help them to heal, and it heals much better, and it dissolves without the issue of trying to pull them out later right. on. So, um, and it, it's incredibly interesting. Mm. Um, in Australia, actually, over the last 30, 40 years, we actually have been very successful in developing um, global medtech companies. Yep. Uh, think about the ResMed, think about mm. the Cochlear and you yep. know, a few CSL, others. The whole Incredible, lot. Yep. yeah. So this company obviously is still very early stage, but they managed to sign a couple of distribution agreements. Yep. Um, so they signed this one in the US. So it does open up the market opportunity. Um, and then they got approved in Australia as well. So this is Singapore-based business. So right. Julia probably may not like it. So yeah. um, <laughs> still early stage. Um, it sells product in, the, uh, in Asia. Um, and um, just started getting distribution agreement very early stage. I probably will steer away at the moment right. because it's too early for me, but it looks promising. Um, I do mm. like the likes of Poly Polynovo um, and a few others. But, right, um, okay. Yeah, but so this you'd is prefer Polynovo at this stage in that sort of sector? It's proven. Um, right. It's proven and it's got... Uh, COVID-19 hasn't affected as much um, and it's got great uh, market opportunity right. ahead of it. Okay. Julia, what do you think of uh, osteopore? Yeah, Jimbe Liz, right? Um, it's based out of Singapore. So once again, um, you know, based out of Singapore, listed here yeah. in Australia. They did make this announcement about a US distribution agreement and their share price just completely rocketed off the scales. And then they came out four hours later with, um, I guess, a clarification on that announcement saying that that US distribution orders were less than worth less than $5,000. And of course, the share prices come back oh, down to earth. Okay. So look, it's really... Um, 
for me, that talks to a very early stage business still trying to find their way around the exchange as well as, I guess, compliance issues there. Um, so I'd probably steer away. I do like Polynova, as Jim Lu does, and Avita Medical is the other interesting one in this space as well. ABH is the stock code. Okay. Um, uh, thank you for that suggestion, Charlie. And our last stock suggested by... Um, uh, by viewers comes from Bob. It is Bid Energy. Um, they've been, um, it's a technology business, uses cloud-based um, technology to help companies uh, manage their energy consumption and energy usage to be more efficient. Um, Julia's had a bit of a, um, a management sort of upheaval over the last couple of months as well, has it? <laughs> it has. Uh, I think they've just settled something. Um, yep. But look, I like this company. Um, if you have a look at Bid Energy, basically it uses robotics to scan bills. Um, and some companies have thousands, if not tens of thousands of bills a month to get through. So to use that technology and then use it to try and get better deals. So if you have a look across its customer base, it's not only here in Australia, but over in the US as well as the UK. And over in America as well as Canada, you have things like energy credits, which come into the equation as well. So if you want to manage those energy credits, as well as being able to try and get the best energy deal, it has a platform where you can um, accept bids for energy um, to try and uh, save on your energy needs as well. So look, I think this is a growing company. I think it's still very much in the early growth stage of its business. And um, look, it's got some big uh, clients like General Electric, Nando's, uh, Repco, just to give you an idea of the diversity of the, the clients that it does have on its book. Okay, so are you keen to buy it at this price? Yeah, I, I do I think that it's in the early part of the growth story. So yep. look, this looks like an interesting speculative one to me. Yeah, okay, Jumbo. Look, uh, this is one of those, so I did have to look up, <laughs> I thought it was an energy company. Um, and uh, this is one of those stock I do, um, it sounds interesting and it's got a good blue list of blue chip clients, uh, but I do struggle um, with how niche it is. Um, just one particular bill, right? So energy yeah. bill. Um, and, and, you know, it offers depth into that tiny niche. Um, I kind of feel, you know, it's, um, there's many other products that can potentially threaten into this space because it's how niche it is. Um, but so far, it's uh, demonstrated it's one of those clients. Um, but to me, it's just a little bit too niche um, right. to be able to grow, scale, and you know, potentially expand into something else. Um, and yeah, that's 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 a no for me. Okay, all right, a no on uh, Bit Energy. Uh, there, Bob, but uh, Julia sees it as a speculative violence. Recap the uh, the last five stocks that you've sent through. Um, a hold on the on the Intel Chiax in instrument uh, from Julia uh, for Jumbay. Um, good long term buy with um, uh, with Intel. A no on raise from Jumbay. Um, a speculative buy from Julia. Uh, vicinity centres. Um, a yes from Jumbay, but prefers Centre Group, which is owns all of the Westfield shopping centres, um, if you like. Uh, a no from Julia, she prefers the Charter Hall Whale, W-A-L-E. Uh, Osteopor, a no from both, both like Polynovo in that space, which is a, a similar technology, but used in a, in a different way. And uh, Bid Energy, speculated by from Julia, a no from Jumbe. Before I let you both go though, the, the big story of the day, is the raise from Afterpay. Um, they're raising something like a billion dollars um, at the moment. Um, how do you see after Afterpay, uh, Jumbay? It's uh, UBS has still got to sell on them. It's it really divides the investment markets. But with this big raise, is that good for the company or not? Uh, look, it's, it's absolutely good for the company and the company, from company perspective, they're doing the right thing because um, the uh, cost of equity for this company is close to 1%. It's actually yeah. cheaper to raise money for this company than to raise debt. Yeah. Um, and that's so rare because debt costs almost yeah. nothing to raise. So they raise the money. So that means they, ha they have paid the 
uh, path for the future growth, different markets. Yeah. And this is what the market wants to capitalize on. Um, and of course, the trading update has demonstrated that the US is doing so well. Within 18 months, they've done, uh, US almost caught up to the numbers that's equivalent to Australia. Um, UK is kind of in line. So, um, you know, this company has demonstrated it is one of the fastest growing company um, listed on the ASX, or if anything, compared yep. to NASDAQ listed businesses, it's, um, it's, the growth is definitely up there. It's expensive, yep. but it's, um, you know, it's one of the very rare growth opportunity. Okay, and so you still like it as a stock? I like it, but I like Zip and Sezzle a lot more because they're right. a lot cheaper and they now have access to very similar sort of markets. Okay, Julia, what do you think of the afterpay raise today? I mean, I love Afterpay. I just don't like the valuation. I bought in at $12 this year, and unfortunately, I've sold, and I've been hitting myself over the head ever since. Um, so look, the, the, the Afterpay story, I think, is a fantastic one. They're moving into new markets. The growth is there, but the valuations are so eye-popping. It's really hard to get back in at these levels. Yeah, does it, does it worry you that some of the founders, are what they're going to take about $200 million out of the business? You know, you can't can't blame them. Um, no, and I, if it was I, me, I'd be taking some money out as well <laughs> and sort of enjoying the uh, the spoils. They've done a fantastic job of building up yep. to pay over the last and, and what And what I've, I, I know it divides markets. What I like about it is some of their hirings at the moment has really been at the centre of this governance issue, has been um, really setting... The business up for growth hasn't it? they they really strengthen their executive team and we we criticize a lot of companies because they raise after the share price has fallen so it dilutes everyone at least they're raising where when the market's at a record high and it looks as though it's subscribed yeah, it, it is a little bit of a warning sign when you do see owners offloading stock because, you know, if you thought it was going to go up another 500,000%, why wouldn't you hold on to the stock? And I guess that's the question. But given uh, Afterpay's success story, I guess the biggest risk is in terms of regulatory risk. They say they're not a credit-based company like credit cards or banking institutions that lend out money. And if they're operating in some countries which may object to that, that would be the biggest risk, I think, to their to their yeah. model um, but in terms of growth the growth is outstanding just the valuation yeah 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 uh, with that are you like Jumbay you like um, Sezzle or, or Zip as an alternative yeah Sezzle and Zip are, are smaller um, and the other one is Flexi Group in that space as well but I think the whole sector is growing so really you're looking at the growth rates compared to the valuations um, and although Afterpay is the fastest growing I'd be looking probably at the next one just because of the valuations there. Yeah, yeah, Alright some good advice from both of you. Jumbay thank you very much for your time today and, you. and Julia appreciate you uh, being on the call as well today. Now, if you'd like to uh, suggest any stocks for us to cover on the call, we cover 10 a day. You can email in the call at ausbiz.com.au or through Twitter. Our handle is ausbiztv. Now, this afternoon on the Startup Daily Show, we're joined by Senator Jane Hume, the Assistant Minister for Superannuation, Financial Services and Financial Technology. She's going to talk all things about open banking and fintech. It's been a bit of a theme on the Startup Daily Show this week with all the changes on the 1st of July with who owns the data in financial services. It used to be your institution, now it's you. You know, what are your rights and, um, and also how easy is it going to be to change financial institutions? So the Senator is coming up from 2pm here on the Startup Daily Show only on Ausbiz. Coming up after the break, The Pulse, stick around. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.